Now, protests have become part of our lives. And today, unbelievably, we have a group I'd not heard of before, animal rebellion protesters. Yes, it's not Extinction Rebellion, it's animal rebellion now. And they've climbed the outside of the Home Office and the DEFRA building, and their aims, as I understand it, are to stop us eating meat, because meat and dairy produce emits too many greenhouse gases for their liking. Um, and the group described themselves as being anti-speciest. Well, I haven't got the foggiest idea what that even means. So let's go to Nathan McGovern, who is a spokesman for Animal Rebellion. Nathan, good evening. Good evening, Nigel. What is anti-speciest when it's at home, please? Uh, so, essentially, speciesism is a form of discrimination that privileges the human species above others in the animal kingdom and places us on a pedestal like other forms of oppression. I see. I see. So, you think that by taking um, direct action, uh, causing a blooming nuisance, um, uh, putting the police out, disrupting central London to a certain degree... You think somehow this helps your case to make us... And by the way, do you want us to go vegetarian or vegan? OK, so just to correct you there, Nigel, we are an organisation that is focused on systematic change. We don't blame and shame individuals like you're insinuating there. We are purely focused on changing systems. I didn't, I didn't insinuate that you, that, that you were doing that against individual people. What I said was you're making a damn nuisance of yourself. And what I'm asking you is, is your aim for us to be vegetarians or vegans? So the aim is for a transition to a just and sustainable plant-based food system. That is the terminology that we would use. I see. So that, so that means vegan, basically? If that's the term that you would like to use, Nigel, yes, but we use the term just and sustainably plant-based. So in your ideal world, Nathan, can I have milk in my tea? If it's plant milk, yes. Ah, OK, right. And can I eat fish? I mean, if I go out and catch a fish, can I eat that? Well, we would say no, because we are an anti-speciesist organisation. But again, we're focused on systematic change. We're not focused on individuals. You know, I tell you what, Nathan, there's one area where I might have some agreement with you. You know, it does actually worry me that we cut down large chunks of the Amazon to produce very low-quality beef, um, to, you know, to be consumed in very low-quality burgers. I do actually question whether that makes sense. But human beings have been eating meat for a very, very long time. There is significant evidence that proteins from fish and meat are not necessarily easily replaced by a plant-based diet without taking uh, vitamin supplements of various kinds, and that actually... Meat, fish, dairy is part of a healthy, natural, balanced diet. And I think most people in the medical profession would agree with that. Um, do you agree with that or disagree with that? Uh, I would disagree with you there. I'd like to know what sources you're citing, as there is an emerging body of evidence that does show that plant-based diet is healthy for all stages of life and, in some cases, is much healthier than a diet that does include animal products. Pretty boring, though, isn't it? Well, how do you mean? I mean, I don't think we would classify it as securing the planet for humans, for animals, and for the environment as boring. 
Well, I would say the diet sounds very boring. And is, is at the heart of this, is at the heart of this your concerns that we're all going to die very shortly through climate change? Well, essentially, that is what Animal Rebellion is. We are bringing attention right, okay. to the fact that animal agriculture con contributes roughly a quarter of all global greenhouse gases, is the leading cause of deforestation in the Amazon, and we cannot have the climate crisis and climate breakdown discussion without mentioning animal agriculture. But you see, you know, whilst I'm all for minority groups having opinions, and that's fine, um, I'm not for them attempting to impose them upon, every, um, upon everybody else. Reasoned argument is fine, and I'm giving you your chance to make your case, and that's right and proper that you should be able to do that. But let's be frank about it, shall we? 2% of the country is vegan, 5% of the country is vegetarian. You are very much a minority cult, and whilst you're fully entitled to make your arguments and give your views, you're not entitled to disrupt public buildings in London and God knows what else you've got planned for the future. You're a damn nuisance and you don't help your cause one little bit by behaving in this way. Well, you can have that opinion. I do. As and mo and most people does, do. Does show Nathan, Nathan, most people do. Because... of evidence does show we are experiencing a rising trend of a transition to plant-based proteins and plant-based alternatives. In fact, a think tank, Rethink X, does predict that even with government subsidisation, animal agriculture will not be profitable by 2035. And that is not a long time away. We need to transition to a just and sustainable plant-based food system with the assistance of government subsidy. And you think, oh, governments, oh, I see. So the taxpayer is going to fund all of this, yeah? Well, at the moment, the taxpayer is funding one and a half billion pounds, and that's a conservative estimate of animal agriculture in the UK every year. That one and a half billion pounds would be much better used and invested in a just and sustainable plant-based food system that will secure the future for humans, animals and the planet. Nathan, I don't doubt your sincerity. I don't doubt you do actually believe in this. Uh, I think it's a little bit on the edge. I think it's very much a minority sport. Uh, but I'll promise you one thing. If you go around disrupting public buildings, you will lose support for your cause and not gain it. But I thank you for coming on the programme. In a moment, and we've got to stick with protest groups, I'm afraid, we will be looking at our friends, Insulate Britain, who've given us notice that they're closing the M25 tomorrow. We'll also go to Harwich. I reported last night on a migrant boat being adrift in trouble in the North Sea. We'll find out what the latest is. Do all the millions of public sector workers deserve to get a pay rise tomorrow, especially as a lot of them have worked from home and are better off than they were before? That's the question I've been debating. Your reaction to that? Well, John on Twitter says, the biggest problem in the public sector is not pay, but the overstaffing of pen pushers, AJ on Twitter says. What about working class people doing ordinary jobs like lorry drivers? We are left behind. I think, to be fair, lorry drivers have finally caught up. But to think that, you know, up till a few months ago, an HGV driver with a very responsible job was earning 11 quid an hour and having to sleep, you know, on, on, on the side of some motorway here um, or in Europe three or four nights a week, it's a good job they have caught up. But there are many in the private sector that have had a miserable time 
during lockdown. It may seem to have been forgotten by me. Another viewer says, what about civil servants working from home and receiving London waiting? It should be removed. Well, it was there for a reason. And William says, these people who have gone to the office should get the increase. Those who've stayed at home, like the DVLA, should not. I just want to say this, because I do get a lot of people from the DVLA that email me, because uh, they've not been entirely happy uh, with my coverage of what's been going on down there. Uh, some have gone into the office, but a hell of a lot have not. And in the middle of all this, they had a strike. Is it any wonder we've got this massive backlog for HGV applications, which we so desperately need? Now, last night I covered a story, uh, firstly, about the sinking of a migrant dinghy boat um, in French waters over the weekend, where 39 were picked out of the sea. And I said to you last night that no... UK media organisation was covering the story at all. And I reported last night that a migrant boat was in the North Sea uh, with people on board without any life jackets in poor conditions. Um, and today has been awash with rumours. I believe there's been a recent statement in the last few minutes from the Home Office. Let's go straight to Harwich um, and let's join GB News's East of England reporter, Amelia Harper. Amelia, it's been a day of, of, of rumour and counter-rumour, and we know, that the, we know that the RNLI were out through most of the night looking for people. Um, I also understand there may have been a separate incident um, fr from a non-migrant boat. Please bring us up to speed as to what's been happening in Harwich. Well, Nigel, in pretty much the last few minutes, the Home Office has just updated us on all of the details of this incident. They say that two men were rescued. They are both Somali nationals. So this has been confirmed as a migrant crossing incident, and they are now being processed uh, within the immigration rules. And this is pretty much uh, a statement that we've just had about a few moments ago. I've got a uh, statement from from the Home Office this afternoon. They say an extensive search and rescue operation for a man reported to have entered the water off the Essex coast concluded. They say we want to thank everyone who responded to this incident. While the investigation continues, they're reminding people, they say, of the extreme dangers of crossing the channel in small boats and the callous disregard for life shown by criminal gangs. They go on and they say we are determined to do everything we can to prevent people dying in the channel. The government's new, uh, new plan for immigration and ongoing work with the French government, they say, will help us crack down on organised criminals and reform the asylum system to deter people from attempting these deadly crossings. But it was reported that they had been in a small dinghy over a 72-hour uh, journey across the channel. The Home Office has given more details on exactly what happened starting on Monday and is now wrapped up, uh, Nigel. They said on Monday afternoon, Border Force and HM Coast Guard assisted in the rescue of two men travelling in a small boat off the coast of Harwich. This is a port town here in Essex. An extensive joint search and rescue operation 
investigation for an additional man reported to have entered the sea in international waters uh, was carried out. No one was found. That involved Border Force and the RNLI uh, overseen by the Coast Guard. They said, however, no one was found and the search was concluded at about 2 p.m. today. As I said, the two men have been rescued, both Somali nationals. They are being processed as we speak. They go on to say the UK is responsible for search and rescue within uh, its region, uh, which is both UK and international waters. So there we are, Nigel. It has been confirmed as uh, a migrant incident. Amelia, thank you very much indeed for that. And for those of you that don't know, I was involved directly in a migrant rescue in the Channel last October. Two men, uh, both Africans, um, both in the water, one not very far away from the end. And look, you know, I disagree totally with what the traffickers are doing. I disagree with illegal immigration. Uh, but we are dealing with human beings and it's only a matter of time. It looks like one's missing. Um, in, and by the way, not the Channel, the North Sea. But it's only a matter of time before a lot of lives are lost on one day. And I, I would be very surprised if that didn't happen between now and Christmas. My what the Farage moment. France threatened Britain once again. This just never, ever seems to end, does it? They are actually threatening delays on goods, yes, unless they get their way with fishing rights, which basically means they want pretty much all the fish in British waters. They are going to go on a go-slow. Uh, this could begin uh, by the end of this week. Uh, if it does, there'll be tailbacks like you can't even believe. Uh, so I'm, I'm worried about this. Uh, there are many that think, well, actually, the French threaten, but they, but they never actually do anything, but they could. But the real threat, I think, the real problem, is potentially to Jersey. Jersey, uh, where uh, quite a lot of small French boats that wanted to fish in Jersey's waters, uh, despite not having any historical record of doing so. Um, and uh, Jersey, the French have said, they may well cut off the electricity. So we have problems at all levels here uh, with the French. Problems, <laughs> you know, even the Prime Minister, Jean Castex, you know, is warning us that by Friday, if we haven't come to some sort of agreement on fish, uh, he can't be responsible for what happens. So we're not in a great place on this. And just to remind all of you, I've been making the point, making the case, I've been arguing very, very strongly that we should be, when it comes to energy, we should be self-sufficient. And yet, almost unbelievably, we import nearly 10% of our electricity, not just in Jersey, but our electricity on the mainland, nearly 10% of it comes from France via interconnectors. So we've left ourselves through a succession of bad governments and total stupidities. We've left ourselves in a very, very bad place. This particular row is being sparked, of course, overfishing, uh, where the French literally want it all. Uh, but at some point, I think Boris Johnson is going to have to stand up very, very firmly against the French government. Now, my other What the Farage moment. Insulate Britain have warned motorists not to use the M25 on Wednesday, not to use the M25, and declared the motorway a site of non-violent civil resistance. The campaign group, an offshoot of Extinction Rebellion, has asked that if drivers do use the road, they reduce their speed to 20 miles an hour. Can you believe this? So they're saying, don't use the motorway, but if you do, only go at 20 
because you might threat, you know, it, it might endanger us. This is due to start at 7 a.m. tomorrow morning. I mean, it's simply unbelievable. I don't know what scale this protest is going to be on, but I think the whole thing's absolutely unbelievable. Uh, they've also had the cheek to call upon the Highways Agency to enforce a 20-mile 20 mile per hour speed limit and ask the police to refuse to arrest us. I mean, the whole thing is absolutely nuts. They have said, though, that if their terms are met, emergency access will be maintained. I mean, can you believe these people? So if their terms aren't met, they won't let an ambulance with somebody whose life may be in danger through. These are dreadful people, and as I've said over the course of the last couple of days. One particular woman been arrested five times in six weeks. Pretty Patel, stop talking tough at Tory party conference. Oh, Boris, making a huge laugh and a joke about these crusties. Just get these people out of harm's way. And if that means taking them to court and keeping them in prison and allowing the rest of us to get on with our lives, that would be, in my view, at least a very good thing. Now... Joining me in a moment on Talking Pines is the former legendary editor of The Sun, Kelvin McKenzie. It's my favourite time of the day. The GB News pub is open. It's great. And joining me for Talking Pines tonight is former editor of The Sun newspaper, Kelvin McKenzie. Kelvin, welcome. Welcome. To Talking Pines. Good to see you. I don't know where we start with you, really. We've got uh, controversy. Uh, we've got extraordinary Big Dipper ups and downs. A long career yep. in media uh, with some very big highs and, and some lows. Shocking, <laughs> shocking lows. I mean, riding, shocking lows. Riding high in April, shot down in May. But I understand you're going to put all of this in a book. I am. I am. For next, uh, next May. Yep. 100,000 words yep. of, uh, in which I emerge poorly. <laughs> and uh, I mean, somebody said to me, isn't there something you could do about that? You did write it, didn't you? Uh, I'm, um, how does the others emerge? Um, Rupert emerges wealthy, but with question marks. And some of his colleagues get some question marks as well. But, um, so I expect it'll all end up in the High Court. Which, uh, which, will be, uh, which will be fantastic. When you were running The Sun and you were the, you were the editor from 81 to 94. Yep. So a long time. Mm -hmm. In what was then a very big selling newspaper. What was it selling at its peak? Uh, 4, 4.3, 4.4, 4.5. Massive. Million. Very, very influential. Yeah. And the most read paper in British boardrooms, I remember yeah. that statistic. People wanted to know what The Sun was saying, where they were going. No internet. No internet, which yeah, no yeah. no social media, no social media, which younger viewers won't believe. But I mean, the newspapers were really powerful, weren't they? They were powerful, and uh, and I think uh, in a way the editor didn't know it because it was a it was a desk job. You come in at you know nine in the morning, you go at nine at night. You had no sense of what effect you might be having, for instance, in politics. The one person who did understand this was uh, was Rupert Murdoch. He. Uh, the Sun was enormously successful commercially. Selling a lot of papers meant selling a lot of advertising. Mm -hmm. But he also enjoyed the kind of aspect of, uh, uh, of, the, of the power 
of, for instance, well, be, be going to see, being helpful to Margaret Thatcher you, or to anybody you else. You were a paper, you know, a red top, page three, all the rest of it, mm -hmm. with a big working-class readership. Massive working-class. Encouraging them to vote for a radical Conservative Party mm. led by Margaret Thatcher. And I think it was, you know, was it in 1992 when you put the headline up, it's the somewhat won it? Yep. Do you believe that? Uh, well, a bit of breast beating <laughs> never, hurt, never hurt anybody, does it? Um, I, I, I wouldn't have liked to have written it's the somewhat lost it. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure, really. Uh, Kinnock really lost it. I mean, he was absolutely hopeless, that guy. He was, he was uh, Jeremy Corbyn without the hair. He, uh, it, he, was, he was a disaster. I mean, the idea... Let's have a look at this. This was your front page, the day of the election in yep. 1992. If Kinnock wins today, will the last person to leave Britain please turn out the lights? I mean, I've got to tell you... In terms of humour, that's a hell of a front page. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, and I'll, I'll, and accept, I'll, accept, I'll accept the compliment. It's the somewhat yeah. No, I mean, look, you were good at it. I mean, yeah. some of it was very controversial. Your, I mean, gotcha after the Belgrano yeah. sunk was very controversial. Mm -hmm. I think you withdrew it from later editions, didn't you? Or is that not true? Yeah, no, I did, but actually that was a mistake. I mean, the, the reality of this was war, and they were going to attack us, we attacked them. And uh, it was right that, uh, that we, we sank their ship, because if we hadn't sunk their ship, they definitely would have sunk ours. And, in fact, as we know, they killed many of our people on Sheffield and other, yep. and other destroyers. And, Kelvin, as, as a boss, I mean, you, I, don't, I don't think you'd last very long these days with modern HR. You were a complete tyrant. Yes, the, that was the enjoyable aspect of the job. <laughs> what, bigger tyrant? Oh, yeah, sure, sure. I mean, if you go... I mean, you, as you well know, absolute power is absolutely delicious, isn't it? So, uh, yes, I totally agree. If I did any of that, yeah. if I did any of that, I'd be the one that would be let go, not any of the staff. And, um, and it was quite wrong, but actually I quite enjoyed it, to be honest. <laughs> Do they still speak to you? Uh, yes, unfortunately they do. They keep, <laughs> they, they keep in touch and asking whether the cheque is still heading their way. I, I, the, the, the reality of it, the reality of it was that you thought you were, you were doing the right thing by chastising them or praising them or doing whatever. None of that is possible now. The best thing that can happen, unfortunately, is actually not to talk to your staff. So when I went into commercial life, hmm. I decided that I would be in employment tribunals all day long if I ever talked to anybody. So the idea was I just used to shout at the, uh, at the finance director and he seemed to enjoy that and that made me feel better, but at least we weren't going to get ourselves... So you've got a layer in the middle, really. Absolutely. And, and that, ha that is what happens everywhere now. Nobody is going around saying, why did we do that? That just cost us 10 grand or that cost us that contract in Malaysia. Why did that happen? Are you an idiot or what? All that is gone. And that may be a good thing, but it has disappeared. Mm. But what is, one of the aspects of it that's happened is that you end up now in the publishing business where you can't... Where, where if some, some, some... I'll just say a lady, for the sake of argument, had just come out of Oxford and she said, oh, I, I don't think we should be publishing that book about Nigel Farage or I don't think we should be publishing that book about Kelvin McKenzie... Some quivering chief executive, <laughs> right, says, you're quite right, we won't publish it. Yeah. Rather than saying, yeah. look, I'm not interested in your views, <laughs> I, I couldn't care less whether you work for us or not, let me make It's the corporates, decisions. isn't it? It's yeah. the corporates. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the woke, the, 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 the real minority 
you know, send 25,000 emails to a marketing department. Yeah. They go, oh, my God, everybody hates this. Yes. Mm. Um, well, GB News has suffered some of it, hasn't it? it, it in the early days, I think we are yeah. getting, we yeah. are getting well, back. It's, but... it's, it's when you dumped Andrew Neil, everything started turning out all right, didn't it? <laughs> well, I, so, suddenly, suddenly, suddenly the media decision. buyers all came rushing well, in saying, course. well, you got rid of Andrews. We must remember to take some advertising. I can't, I can't claim responsibility <laughs> for that one, Kelvin. I wasn't involved. I'm a mere presenter here, you know, um, but enjoying it, I have to say. Yeah. And... You know, it's a new media venture, and that is an exciting thing. It is, yeah. To be and, part and, of. and tough at the beginning. And, of course, inevitably tough. If the high was 92, and I guess that was the high of, yeah. your, of really what you did yeah. as editor and yeah. your power and, and that front page that all of us that were alive at the yeah. time will never yeah. forget. Yeah. You know, the big low. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm thinking it was Liverpool, but yeah. it, would that yeah. be right? No, that would be right. I, mean, be I, right. I have attracted um, a fair degree of opprobrium <laughs> for the last few yeah. years. I was a devil incarnate. I dared take on the establishment on what was a settled view, um, and so necessarily you're mad and bad for doing that. But I've never, I've never sort of quite... I think the mayor of Liverpool, Joe Anderson, the one that in the end had to stand down, mm -hmm. he did say Why that. Why did he have to stand down? Well, I think there's all sorts going on, yes. <laughs> but, right. but I can't, not sure we can say so at this moment in time. He once said that Nigel Farage wasn't welcome in Liverpool, but that was just him. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure if I turned up there today in, in a bar tonight in Liverpool, I, you know, I might do OK. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you're kind of still... Th yeah, no, no, 30 they... years on, yeah, yeah. you are the ultimate pariah I am. in Liverpool. It, just tell us what actually... I mean, basically, the Hillsborough yep. tragedy, for those that don't know this story, the Hillsborough tragedy, the victims, they felt, they felt or were made to feel that you'd insulted them. Yeah, well, that's true. But I've explained this till I'm blue in the face. Yeah, well, let's they, hear it. They, let's do, hear they it don't want to listen. So what, all that happened was there was a piece of agency copy from a, I, uh, some freelancers in yep. Sheffield, very well known. They come up with a, with a story which said that senior officers blamed the Liverpool fans for Hillsborough. OK. Why wouldn't I believe that? When our political editor... Walking down Whitehall that afternoon, bumps into the private secretary to Margaret Thatcher, who tells exactly the same story to Trevor Kavanagh, so uh, the political editor. So sort of cooperation. Yeah, corroborated it. Why wouldn't I believe that? Why wouldn't I believe it? And by the way, I wasn't the only one to run. The Liverpool papers ran the story as well. So the but story the, was a crowd surge caused by people who didn't actually have tickets. Uh, there was a bit of that, and there was kind of other allegations that were made. They were horrible allegations, OK? But this was coming from senior police officers. It wasn't the Sun having sent out some investigative reporters. It wasn't even our reporters. So why wouldn't I believe it? If it had been about Jimmy Savile, senior police officers had said X, Y and Z about Jimmy Savile, I would have believed that as well. And so the Liverpool fans, as it turned out, the whole story was completely made up by the cops. And it was made up by the cops in order to actually deflect the mistakes that they had made, or perhaps one officer had made, or a yeah. series of officers had made, right, to deflect what they had done. However, Liverpool fans still waiting for somebody, so 97 are now dead, are still waiting for somebody to be charged and found guilty. And so there is nobody to blame, so they might as well... Blame the editor of The Sun. And, and it stuck. And it stuck, and it's still there today, and it will still be there. For instance, 
I get from Liverpool fans saying that they are going to that they are going to have a bigger party than when Margaret Thatcher died when I die. That is one of their favourite. That's their favourite. It's a disgrace. But some of the stuff threatening. We're going to murder you. We're going to stab you. We're going to do this. You still get that. Oh yeah, I still get that. So it is quite shocking the level of abuse. And so one of the reasons I'm on one of the in- why I'm pleased with the online harms bill is because with a bit of luck this will now stop. Does it bother you? Uh, if you ask me, do I want it to stop? And and do some members of my family who kind of get caught up in the kind of <coughs> as you well know get caught up in the, in the shadow of it all? Do I want it to stop? Yes, I do. Right? I'd like it to stop tomorrow. Do I think it's going to stop? No, I don't. It's something I just have to live with. Yeah. It's whether it's because you made a mistake or whether it's because you were misled or even whether it's because you had a misjudgment, to still be paying a price for it 30 years on is pretty well, tough. Well, well I, I, I don't accept that it was a misjudgment. No, I don't I, accept I, it was I, a mistake. I said it, it, I said it could be, but, it, you know... Yeah, I, it's for the other side to say that. But I don't accept that. Fair enough. After that, you continued, you did remarkable things. I mean, where we first came in yeah. touch, yeah. you were running TalkSport Radio. Uh, you took it to remarkable places. And I'm grateful to you because you gave me my sort of first real chances as a young MEP. And I'd go on with James Whale and all sorts of people. And, and you know, I, I am grateful you've given me a chance to get out there and do that stuff. And that was a huge success. TalkSport was a huge success. Uh, and you've had all sorts of commercial ups and downs, and that's the way mm. that life in, in the commercial world is. But you were back writing columns. Yep. I was... Back writing columns. Yep. Back doing what Kelvin does best. And what Kelvin does best, I think, is he's quite good at assessing where the public are on stuff. Quite good at assessing where, whether it's Middle England or whatever it is. And... Probably seven or eight times out of ten, Kelvin gets it right. Twice out of ten, hopeless. But, but, but generally, you're good at getting it yeah, right. But remember, remember, I'm not trying to get it right. I'm just saying what I think. Yeah, yeah. but what you think has... The reason that you did well at the Sun, you struck that chord. But suddenly, <laughs> after all these years... I get fired. At 70. Yeah, fired. Sung out. Sacked at 70. Sem- as I said to Rebecca Brooks, said, this is a fantastic day. She said, oh, yes, in what, in what way is that? I said, well, anybody can get fired at 40 or 50. I said, sack That really is. That really is great. Um, so, yeah, so I get fired. I get fired because I don't know that Ross Barclays... Ross Barclays not white. I didn't know, and by the way, the sports editor didn't know. Rebecca Brooks, she didn't know. He didn't know what, 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 what ball is for football, right? Nobody knows. Ross Barclay, grandfather turned out to be Nigerian. Why does this matter? Because I said I hadn't seen anybody as stupid as Ross Barkley, right? The last time I'd seen anybody stupid as as Ross Barkley was Guy the Gorilla. Well, directly, directly you use that kind of terminology in relation to somebody who has black blood inside them, then you are in trouble. But who on earth knew that? No Chelsea fan. You get your... Your, you get your viewers now to say, who knew that Ross Barkley had, had, had this about them? And would I have written it if I had to? Anyway, there, there's no ifs and buts about that. 
Along comes Murdoch. He said, he's got to go. Boom. Out the door. And that's that. Has Rupert gone woke? Because, I, you know, I'll tell you what's amazing. Yeah. Yesterday's Sun newspaper. Yeah. I don't know whether you look at it. It was wall- Not if I'm looking for stories, I don't. <laughs> wall to wall, backing Boris, mm. backing the games at COP26. Yeah. Prince Charles. Prince Charles is writing in the Sun. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, here he is, look. Here's Prince Charles in yesterday's Sun. Um, and he suddenly now appears to be the sort of Sun's green ambassador. Yeah. Um, now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with wanting to have the world a better, cleaner, safer place, but there are pretty serious questions about wind energy um, and the sheer cost of these ludicrous heat pumps that Boris and the Prince want us to have. What's... I mean, as I say, you got cancelled. Yeah. And, and well, actually, I got more than cancelled. I got fired. Yeah. Well, it's amounts to more yeah. or less the same yeah. thing. Um, don't worry, it's happened to me. Um, it happens to many people. Well, it may be happening to you after the show. <laughs> well, it may be having you on good dinner, I don't know. <laughs> but, no. Hey, hey, Kelvin, where are we? I mean, free speech is free speech. Mm. It should never incite mm. hatred or violence, and we all understand that. But free speech is, you know, I can say what the hell I think about you. You can say what the hell you think about me. And... If we meet in a, in a week's time, I might have a drink with you. Mm. Because that's what we do as free mm. human beings. But right through the education system, all the way through, uh, we're suddenly being told, not that I disagree with your point of view, but I respect your right as a human being to have. I think, I think you're an idiot, mm. but I respect your We're now saying, no, 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 that person should be stopped from speaking. Are we going to be able to turn this around? Where do we go with all of this in the future? The answer's no to that. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm afraid the tide is, is gone out on that argument. And if you take, you take a paper like The Sun, made up of some pretty good people, what they've decided is, and I don't, I don't blame Murdoch for this at all, The Sun loses money. When I was there, we were making a fortune. There wasn't any competition. Did you make a fortune? Did I make a fortune at The Sun? No, I didn't, no. No, I Why not? Was, I was very... Um, Rupert had a kind of parsimonious attitude towards, uh, <laughs> towards pay. And what he understood was that the job was so good he didn't have to pay anybody to do it, is the truth. And, and you love doing it anyway. And I like doing it anyway. Yeah, I like doing it anyway. The, you know, after 23 hours out of the day, you felt a bit tired, but after that, you were fine. And uh, so uh, money was not the driving force. But, but the son now loses money... Therefore, he doesn't want to have a problem yeah. with something that's losing money. In New York, he's got Fox News. It's in trouble morning, noon and night. They don't give us stuff. By the way, the thing's making a billion and a half yeah, a year. He will take as much trouble as he likes. So, so Rupert, very cleverly, has decided, telling um, his management, I don't want a problem when I wake up in the morning. Right. So turning this, turning this around is going to be tough, yeah? I say it's impossible. That's very pessimistic. I know. But, you see, if you get something like, I don't know, GB News, and if Ofcom continues to have a more relaxed attitude uh, towards uh, free speech, the ability... They had a choice on on Meghan Markle, and actually what they did was they doubled Piers' money. Mm. Because it must be the... See, when I I get slung out, nobody wants to know me. When Piers gets slung (laughs) out, he gets 50 million quid for three years' money. How did that happen? I don't know. Kelvin, finally, has it all been worth it? 
it has been worth it, and it will continue to be worth it. There you not go. The end of there it you all. go. Not the end of Mackenzie. Gosh, you have all been warned. That was Kelvin Mackenzie on Talking Pines. It's the end of the programme. There isn't long left, but it is. Yes, it's Barrage the Farage, where you send in your questions, which I do not get a sight of, and Kelvin may help me out with some of this. Adrian asks, do you think these minority protest groups should go and demonstrate in the countries that are the main contributors? Yes, I think they should all go to the wet market in Wuhan where they eat bats and tell them not to eat meat. And I absolutely think they should be in Beijing uh, telling the Chinese to start not to build 100 new coal-fired power stations this year. They wouldn't find their liberties lasting too long. And I'm not suggesting that they shouldn't be free to say what they think, but stop wrecking everybody else's lives. Alan asks me, where do these migrants get thousands of pounds from to pay the traffickers to cross the channel? Well... It varies. But I can tell you, in a lot of cases, they haven't got the money, so they come into this country and enter a... The men enter a form of modern-day slavery. With some of the younger women that come into this country, well, I'll leave you to work that out. And the left don't want to talk about it. Extraordinary. William asks me, Pretty Patel must be the worst Home Secretary this country's ever had. Why has she not been sacked? Kelvin, how bad a Home Secretary is Pretty Patel? I don't think she is a bad Home Secretary at all. No, I I think she has an impossible job, Mm -hmm. and I think she tries very hard, and she's frustrated at every turn either by by left-wing lawyers or even by the left of her own party. Human human rights legislation. Human rights legislation. Yes, but I I don't... It's very, very fashionable to bash Priti Patel, and I know from all the tweets I get that they really want to sling her out, but I don't think... I'm not sure who on earth you put in Kelvin stands up for her. I wouldn't mind if she was honest with us and said, I can't deal with this problem given the rules I've got. She still pretends she can. (laughs) 